Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron talking to you from San Diego, California. And in this episode, we have on Christopher Strauch, the organizer and host of Token 2049. What is Token 2049? It is one of the biggest crypto conferences in Asia. But why are we talking about this conference? We're talking about this conference because it's one of the biggest in Asia. Also, it's during the Hong Kong Blockchain Week. And last year, it brought some of the biggest names, the brightest people in the crypto space to this conference. So when I was looking at their lineup for 2019, I was like, how did they do it? How did they bring so many people together in one space only in one year? And they're going to duplicate it in 2019. Well, Chris came on the show to tell us all about it. And I was excited to have this conversation because it shows with a little planning and a little bit of drive, you too can create something very unique and very special in the crypto space. But before we get into that conversation, please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. There, subscribe to our social medias, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. Subscribe to keep in the know of what's going on in Crypto 101. And also, please, wherever you're listening to this podcast, remember to make sure you're subscribed, leave us a rating, and a comment. It helps us immensely. And remember, this is not financial advice, investment advice, trading advice, or personal advice. Now, without further ado, here is Christopher Strauch, host and organizer of Token 2049. Chris Strauch, co-host of Token 2049 in Hong Kong. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, hey, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I pretty much come from the finance background. So I studied finance and business and moved very traditionally into investment banking with Morgan Stanley initially for the first couple of years, and then sort of found a path into the entrepreneurial scene, founded a couple of businesses, invested in a couple of businesses, and then sort of the last six, seven years now, then sort of on the VC side, uh, so for, for more from the investment side, and then over the last two years, uh, more and more into crypto. Um, then also with a dedicated vehicle called Alice Capital, um, through which we invest into the crypto space. Interesting. So wh- where were you born? How did you grow up? And how did you make yourself all the way into Asia? Um, born actually in, in Germany, lived sort of until my studies really in, in, in Germany. And then it became quite international. I think my studies already were quite international. And uh, my first job with Morgan Stanley started in the UK spent there a couple of years. And then with the first business that I that I founded, um, that was in Southeast Asia, that was an opportunity where um, a company called Rocket Internet, a global company builder, was just about to expand out of Europe into the world and did that quite excessively. And Southeast Asia was always sort of a place that I've traveled a lot to and um, really enjoyed living in. And I just tried to figure out kind of how to get there also from a work perspective. And so that was the best opportunity for me. Um, started a large-scale e-commerce company called Zalora out of Southeast Asia, and then basically got stuck there for, for the last many years. So spent around seven years in Asia, all around from you know Hong Kong to all, all of Southeast Asia, really. Uh, and then two years ago, decided to, to move to Australia. You know what? I, I could tell you're German right off the bat because you're a very efficient question answerer. The most efficient people <laughs> and answering questions are the Germans by far. I have them on the show. A minute, boom, everything's there. All the information anybody needs to know, and they're, all, they're done. <laughs> so two questions that came out of this. The first one is, what is your favorite place in Southeast Asia? Just being from Asia, I'm just curious, which one is your, is your go-to? Um, I'd say 
living at. I think it's, it's Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. I think it's just such an international buzzing place. I think it's it's just uh, you know it's just an amazing city. I think from a holiday perspective, I would say Thailand. I spend most of my weekends somewhere either in Phuket or Kusamui. Now, I love Thailand. Thailand's a beautiful place. Been there probably about a dozen times already. And I never get sick of it. Love Thai food too. Northern Thai, not Southern <laughs> Thai. Because Southern Thai is more like a Vietnamese sort of thing going yeah. on. Northern Thai has that creamy, beautiful curries, sticky rice. Oh, just love it. <laughs> you know your Thai food, man. <laughs> <laughs> so now more of a serious question. Why did you go from the traditional finance aspect over into the crypto aspect of finance? Morgan Stanley is, you know, a very prominent name. Why would you drop a career with Morgan Stanley to dabble mm. in crypto? Well, I think there was a lot of steps in between. So from I think from Morgan Stanley, it moved sort of first into an into entrepreneurial career. So I think that's sort of how I got into the tech scene in general. So as I said, there was there was first a very large scale e-commerce company that we built, and then on that on top of that, uh, basically a company builder which looked at a number of so fintech businesses. And so kind of, you know, I got gradually into away from the finance scene into the tech scene and, and more kind of from a company building perspective and then moved gradually back onto the VC side to kind of look, but still very actively from operational perspective, but more, you know, kind of looking at it um, as, as an investment. Um, and I think as part of that experience, we, we got more and more pitches in, I think it was around 2015 or so, around Bitcoin first, and then we kind of looked at it and thought, it's still too early, there's no community, we're not truly believing in this yet. Um, and then I think 2016 was the time when a lot more came out around Ethereum. Uh, and so we looked a bit more closely into this and kind of got that maybe there's much, much bigger scope than Bitcoin and then kind of the blockchain technology actually has a lot of use cases around it. And so started actually on the side investing privately into into first Ethereum and then couple of the upcoming ICOs um, over 2017. And that uh, obviously became bigger and bigger. And we realized, okay, with the talent coming into this phase, with the early stage of the technology, actually, this is, while fintech is very interesting, I think this is bigger and this is just a space that we can't ignore. And so we shifted our focus over there. So when you shifted your focus from, you know, fintech, you know, big bank or whatever, uh, and then over to 100% blockchain, why did conferences come up into the business plan? Yeah, that's a good question. So actually, this was never part of a business plan as such. So it's really, you know, kind of, we don't really look at it so much as a business. Uh, we're not event managers, we don't intend to be. But if you if you look at the space, you know, it, it's actually, it's a necessity in a way, right? So we realized we've done that. And at that time for, for around two years, we've traveled around, um, been to other conferences, met people across the world, built relationships. But obviously, it's such a new space, very fast pace, and, 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 and a lot of things happen. And, and there's constantly new people kind of uh, popping up and, and, and entering the space that, that we needed somehow find a way of how can we make this efficient, right? Uh, we, we don't have a massive team. We can't have people around the world kind of just going to conferences and meeting people. Um, so how can we actually, you know, learn more about the space, find the right people and, and find them as they enter the space? And so the idea of Token 2049 was created to say, one, I think what we realized is that we have lived in Asia, as I said, for the longest time and done business there, had a good network, but still felt that, you know, if you look at Japan, South Korea, uh, China, they are thriving ecosystems in each of those markets, but they don't really talk to each other. They're still kind of isolated ecosystems. So we didn't really you know, had the full visibility in all of these markets. I so wanted to get that. And also, on the other hand, as I said, we traveled a lot internationally, so built relationships with some of the key players in the US and Europe, and also got their feedback that, you know, we kind of next step for us is exploring Asia, but we don't have much visibility. We don't know kind of who the key players are. 
Um, so we kind of wanted to facilitate that platform for them and very selfishly also for us to kind of build that network and get that, you know, get that inside them um, for the market. And, and so that that kind of started Token 2049 as, as a project, never really with the intention of saying this is going to be a business. Our business was always as capital and the investment side of it. Um, but Token 2049 is a great vehicle that supports what we're already doing. You never had the intention of it being a business. It was there to facilitate the relationships with the people that you've met all around the world and also give them a springboard into Asia. Hong Kong's an amazing international place to do. You know, if you're going to have a conference anywhere in Asia, Hong Kong's one of the most friendliest places, maybe that in Singapore. But with that, did it turn into a business? Did you do the conference the first time and go, hey, you know what, we're onto something here? Or is it still more of a labor of love? I would never look at it as a business. And I think I explain in, in a second why there's an important differentiation. And that's all I, what we also feel is the differentiation to other conferences in general. Um, and, and I think the reason why is because, um, you know, there's, there's ultimately, I think what, what we have learned over time is there's, there's ultimately a thousand great things that you can do and then great business models, you know, great projects, interesting spaces to be in. Um, but the only way you're really good at something is if you, if you laser focus at it. Um, and I think that's where, where we realized at the very forefront we are investors. That's our background. That's what we've done for many years. And that's why we entered into the crypto space. And that's what we want to stay, you know, focusing on or remain focused on. And, and Token 2049, as I said, is something that we see is, is a great thing, a great vehicle to almost you know, leverage what we're already doing. But we, we said we could want to do this once a year. Uh, it was a great success in 2018. It truly helped us. And, and, it, and we feel that it also you know, the community was very positive about it. So we definitely want to do this again, but it's not going to turn into a business that we would do, you know, full time on the side because it just feels, you know, it's not something that shouldn't be our core focus as such. What does 2049 mean? Does it have meaning? It's funny. We, we get this question a lot. And, and actually, it's a, it's a very, it was actually a very simple way to derive it. So uh, we thought of, you know, at the time when we just started and we thought about like, what, what should we name it? Yeah, I think token was just, you know, it was a clear one because we wanted to make clear kind of what, what it is about and what we're covering. And 2049 was basically born out of the fact that the two co-hosts, so myself and Raphael, we're both in our 30s. And so we kind of talked about, you know, where we wanted this to be forward looking. And if, if you think about all the topics that we talk about and going to talk about in the future, it's always going to be kind of where is crypto going? Where is it going to be in the future? Um, what does it mean for society? What does it mean for industries overall and so since we are in our 30s we kind of thought okay what would be another life we've seen so much change in our life short lifetime where kind of you know where, where could this industry be in another lifetime from now and so kind of just you know it was 2017 or so plus 30 so we kind of derived for 2049 i actually thought it had something to do with china's 2049 destination plan yeah there was i think there was subconsciously uh, there's actually a couple of places where you see 2049 popping up as sort of like again an indication of the future i think there was also uh, coincidentally at, at the same time there was blade runner 2049 subconsciously kind of i think we picked that up as well i didn't even think about the blade runner connection <laughs> a good one good one man well 2049 started in 2018 last year correct that's right. Yes. And in your first year, you had a lot of very high profile speakers from Vinnie Lingham to Jimmy Song to Da Hong Fei to Loy Lu. Can you tell us how you did that? If it's the first event, how did you create such a lineup? And can you tell us just about the process of putting on such an event? I think for us, it was really um, we, we wanted to create a truly global crypto event in Asia. We felt that at the time um, that was just simply not existent. And as I said, us as investors ourselves, we just wanted to see more transparency in Asia and also with the people that are counterparties that we spoke to and that we had existing relationships with in Europe and the US. 
Um, they felt the same way. They were just like Asia being a big market in the crypto space and a very important market, but somehow still a bit, you know, siloed out. So I think that was the need that we had and how kind of Token 2049 was built upon. We were at a number of events um, the years before. We were already active in the space. We made some investments in the space. So we were in that sense well connected uh, with some of the key players. And that allowed us to get the first speakers to come to Asia and be part of that initially planned as a meetup. But then as those speakers were really excellent, um, high caliber speakers, that drew attention to other people that also wanted to speak and that drew attention to you know the general audience that, that wanted to see those people. And, and so it became a bigger, much bigger event actually than we had initially planned. So what does it take to put on a conference? Okay, so you, you have these connections, you have this business plan, you have this model, well, not a business plan, you have this facilitation plan that you were trying to get kicked off in Asia. What was your first step? How did you say, okay, because I'm looking at your guest list right now and you have, you know, Charlie Lee, you have Max, you have Craig Wright, you know, the real Satoshi over there. <laughs> you had all these people at your conference. How did you even kick it off? So that's why I said, I think the way it started was more um, for us as, in, as investors and being active participants in the space to get great people together, great speakers that can talk about, you know, relevant topics for the industry and the future about the industry and get an audience together that you know is relevant to each other and is just relevant to us. And I think that's where we started. It was the speakers, right? So um, it was never really the intention to kind of build a large-scale conference. But obviously, as we start reaching out to our network, people that we have spoken to before, people that we knew through Ellis Capital and our investment side, to, to get them over to Asia. And we want to bring our crowd. We have a network here. Uh, come over. We talk about some of you know the upcoming things in crypto and, and make this a cool meetup, right? That's how kind of how it started. And I think with more and more outreach and, and, and more people saying, yes, we definitely want to come and we definitely want to learn more about Asia and we want to get closer to the ecosystem there, it's just stronger the lineup became, right? And then with that, we realized that keeps drawing a crowd and a lot more people were interested in joining the event. And so we realized, wow, we actually have to, we have to change location. We have to, we have to properly plan this through. And, and I think one of the major pressure points was that we had essentially two months to do so. Two months ahead of the conference, we, we started realizing we have an amazing lineup and, and more and more people are becoming interested in it. So let's organize this properly. And then so we started engaging uh, you know, with a number of external parties at first because we, we didn't even have the internal resources to do so. So we worked with you know, a great marketing agency, a great PR agency, a great event agency. And so these guys really helped us. Uh, so, bring everything together. So was it all yeses to, to start? Who was the first person you called that last year? Would you hop on the phone and say, hey, Charlie Lee, you want to come on and speak at this conference? <laughs> Go yeah, for it. So basically, the, the first guys that we reached out to were obviously the guys that we that we knew best. So that was the fun side. It was guys like Tetris Capital, Pantera, Block Tower. And I think then they started making the first introduction to some of their portfolio companies. And and, and so sort of it, it started spreading basically very, very quickly once we had the first confirmations and, and the people. Again, as I said, I think there was a real need. I mean, we saw the need. Uh, we wanted to go uh, and, and find a platform in Asia that facilitates a more international exchange. And it just didn't exist. And I think, therefore, uh, a lot of people were actually happy that we reached out and, and provided that platform. How much pressure were you under? Like, for example, you called that one person or you called Pantera Capital and you were like, OK, hey, why don't we just, you know, do this thing, ah, Hong Kong. 2049 you know everything's just you know kind of just you know up in the air and then once you started gaining momentum you were, was there you, did you ever have like an oh shit moment this shit's real we better get our shit together uh, well that was pretty much the time when so, so the, the starting point of every 
event, if, if you do it properly, right, it should be that, that you have a location that kind of with, with a clear intention of these are the amount of people that we that we want to facilitate. And, and so then you start reaching out to people and then make this make this event happen. We didn't have that event, right? We, we were thinking of a meetup. So we were thinking a few hundred people. So I think the oh shit moment came in when we realized we have tons of really great speakers and we have tons of requests coming in of people saying, I want to join this event. Where can I join this event? And we sort of had a semi professional website at, a time, at this point in time to even facilitate that. And we just realized, okay, at this point in time, the event that we, we have planned is not going to be the event that it's going to turn out to be. Uh, so we have to change locations and, and we have to get external parties to help us, right? And I think that was, it happened all very quickly. So we, I think we got lucky in a way because, you know, in the event space, it's funny enough, actually, if you become late, you know, and there's still space available, you actually get better terms, right? But I think we were lucky in the sense that we actually found a really great location. Um, the Cary Hotel in Hong Kong just opened six months before we started and it was by far the largest hotel conference or event space that was available and for us it was really important we didn't want to go into any kind of you know um, convention center because it would have completely killed the atmosphere it would be too sterile and we wanted to have something that is that is high end and feels high end and, and the care hotel was just a perfect place and because they had just opened six months ago they actually still had free space so we got extremely lucky with that what do you look for when it comes to speakers, when it comes to people coming to your conference? Are you looking for more of a B2B relationship building environment or are you looking for the spirit of crypto? What does 2049 represent? I think it's um, so obviously you, you try to create a good mix of people. So you, you want to cover the space overall. I think the way we started was really by saying, what are the topics that we want to talk about? So we actually start with the agenda first. And then with the speakers, right? And I think the reason for that is because you basically start thinking about what are the topics that people want to learn about? What are the topics that people want to discuss? And then you start thinking about who are the best people in the world that could possibly... Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. They, you know, cover this topic and then who are people that can add to that perspective and so you kind of start putting panels together. And I think that's why you always see a broad range of things, right? Because you need guys with, you know, regulatory background. You need people with um, investment background. You need people with technical background. Um, so, so you get a good mix because, you know, obviously in the space, given where we are and, and how immature the space is at the moment, the discussion points are still very, very fundamental and you kind of need to look at the space from all different angles. What about the guests? Do you have a target audience that, that's actually the toughest part to to optimize i mean you can have a wish list it's kind of what people what kind of people you want when you're looking for an audience member what is your target audience and do you have an optimal person that you're trying to target with this event and do those optimal people attend the event so, so i think you won't have one person that you're looking for because the reality is as i just said also on the speaker side you have so many different topics to cover, so therefore you're going to end up having, by just covering all the main topics you want to cover, you get a range of different speakers with different backgrounds and, and, and different angles and looking at the same problem. Uh, and in the same way, you kind of want to have that reflected in the audience, right? Because at the end of the day, the core parts and the core essence of this event is building a platform where people can exchange, where you foster networking. And that means that I have to find, be it me being a speaker or me being an attendee or even event partner, I have to find 
sort of a complementary person to me that can explain me the problem from a different way so I can learn something or I can build a partnership or you know whatever the outcome might be. So in a way, you need to find a diversified audience that reflects the agenda. Having said that, I think the criteria that goes across all of them is um, that you want to have a sophisticated crowd, at least to a certain extent, right? And, and why is that? At the end of the day, I want to be in a room where I meet decision makers. Um, so generally, you look for senior people. And then uh, two, I think it's someone that is truly active or involved, or at least strongly interested in the space. Because again, here, the people that you will build long-term relationships with are people that in some way, shape or form are actively involved in the industry through investments or through you know, their own business or, or otherwise. And that's the guys that you will build good relationships with. Right. So we have 2049 Hong Kong. We have the Carrier Center. We have the venue. We have the speakers. We have the people that are attending. We have the goal of the event. We have all that. So basically, now we have the event. <laughs> what are some things yes. that happened from last year that you learned from? So I think one, definitely, uh, we should have started a lot earlier. Uh, I, I think even though we ended up pulling off a, a really great lineup, I, I think there's a lot of people that couldn't make it just simply because we were too late contacting them. So I think the biggest learning for us is definitely, you know, let's plan this properly. So for the 2019 event, we started six months ahead um, and, and it gave us a lot more lead time to make sure that we, we really cover everybody that, that wants to be there. And, and another big part in that we didn't pay enough attention to was uh, selecting really great photographers and videographers. I think it's something that we now really painfully feel is that we don't have better material uh, to showcase how great of an event 2018 was mm -hmm. uh, to get people excited over 2019. I think those are the biggest learnings. I think next to that, there's tons of other learnings. And I think a lot of them are sort of more in the detail and how events generally you know, run and, and kind of what stress level comes with it is that there's a million tiny little pieces that have to come together and they're very fluid. So as you go, you have to make a lot of decisions and things typically change last minute and you have to kind of have a backup plan. So I think there wasn't that really that one a big element, but I think uh, what we generally have learned is, I mean, one, obviously we kind of more aware of the possibilities and the possible issues that might arise along the way and during the planning and during the execution. Um, but I think generally the mindset just just... Um, being prepared for that. Uh, I don't think we have been at the time. Um, it was just, you know, too last minute and we haven't done that before. Um, so therefore there was there was a lot of unknown things that we like, had to scramble for, for a quick decision uh, to make the best out of it. I think we were very lucky that we, that we found good partners, uh, external partners from event agencies to marketing agencies, PR agencies that helped us through that, um, through that path and from which we learned. And I think now this time around, we just, you know, in terms of our communication lines, in terms of our pre-planning of what are the next steps, what are the to-dos, we, we really, really organized. Uh, and I think now, as I said, two months ahead of the event, we have this very long list of tiny little to-dos and tiny little decisions to be made, but they're all on our radar. And so I think the stress level is significantly down. I just had a personal curiosity. I know this happens in a lot of conferences. This is not a judgment at all, but just curious. Did you pay for any speakers to come to your event or was it all volunteer? Uh, it was all volunteer, yeah. Uh, I think another thing that we generally completely avoid and i think that that adds to the quality of speakers is what we've seen in the industry happening a lot is that as part of the sponsorship packages you can buy a speaker slot right um and i think that's something that is uh, something where we have uh, the policy against because we just say we, we don't want anyone you know to to feel entitled just because they pay money they can be on stage mm -hmm. because it's not reflective of you know the way we go about the conference of saying we, we start with an agenda that is truly interesting and then find the best people to cover that mm -hmm. 
We talked about 2018. We heard about building the event, the success. What are you planning for 2019? And is it going to be different from 2018? Or are you going to just continue with the same success that you had from last year? Um, so yeah, as we discussed, I think we had tons of learnings from last year and, you know, also generally with the issue of being way too late and kind of organizing the event and not really planning for it. Uh, I think this the upcoming year will be significantly more organized, better and, and well prepared. Having said that, I think overall, I think what we see is, you know, one, if you look at the lineup now, we have the first 40 speakers already confirmed. It's an incredible lineup already now and, uh, and there's tons of great more people in the pipeline. So I think that the lineup will be exceptionally strong this year. And so in terms of size, you know, we're aiming for actually kind of double the audience compared to last year. So we have more than 2,000 people from across the world. And I think also this year, because we are starting earlier, we allow more international crowds to come to the event. And um, this, this year, I think, again, another big learning from last year, there were a lot of side events and there was a lot of you know activity happening in that week of Token 2049 because obviously there's a lot of international crowd coming in. A lot of great thought leaders of the industry are present. Uh, and so many side events, parties, meetups, et cetera, popped up. So this year we're actively supporting Asia Crypto Week, uh, which is going to be from the 11th to the 17th of March, which essentially is a platform that you can go to to kind of see all the different events, all the different meetups, all the parties, to some extent curated in a sense that they will take out the ones that are not, not credible. Uh, but it's, it's going to be just a great place to have an exhaustive list of all the things that are going on. And I think, you know, while Token 2049 is the general and large scale events, all the different meetups will obviously facilitate much deeper conversations on the technical side and investment side and so forth. So it's going to be an awesome week. Before we go into general questions, is there anything you'd like to say about 2049 before we delve into the market and the space in general? What we have mentioned is that the upcoming event is going to be on the 13th to 14th of March 2019. It's going to be an amazing event. Check out our website on www.token2049.com. You're going to see there the first 40 speakers. It's an incredible lineup. Charlie Lee is going to take have a keynote at the event and, and many other amazing speakers are going to be there. Also check out www.asiacryptoweek.com. As I said, that's the platform where you will see all the other events that happen in that week. It's going to be a very busy week in Hong Kong. So looking forward to see you all there. Actually, looking at your speaker list, there's a lot of your speakers that are already on the show. We have Michael O, we have Max Cordex, we have Mike Kayamori, we have Ju Ling Chun. A lot of those people were on Crypto 101. And if anybody's curious about and sees the speakers on the list, check out Crypto 101's episode with them to get to know them better. And then, hey, fly to Hong Kong and see them in person. Back in 2018, when you did the first 2049, the space was a lot different than it is now. Prices were different. What do you feel about going into this new conference with the market the way it is? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like you, you can, I think people focus a lot on, on pricing and I think emotionally it always feels, you know, prices are up, everyone's happy, prices are down, everyone's sad. Um, but I think if you look at the fundamentals and kind of how far the space is, uh, has come, I think overall um, the space is just getting better. And I think it's getting... On the one hand, it's getting more sizable because a lot more talent comes into the market. And I think talent outside of what we have traditionally seen, which was very tech focused. Um, now you see people from, you know, ex-bankers, ex-consultants, uh, people with, you know, very traditional careers, um, senior people as well, but with, you know, long, long-term careers moving now into the space. So it's really a great initial sign of, of adoption. And, and you can also, you know, forecast that as more and more of those talents are joining existing projects, uh, you have a much more diversified C-suite that you know will come up with better solutions to to the existing problems. So I think 
we are working on the right problems and um, the space is maturing. And so despite prices being down, which I think is a natural correction of, of, of an overly hyped pricing in, towards the end of 2017 or early 2018, I, I think we, you know, we're going to have more mature conversations and with more and more unique perspective, uh, perspectives coming into the space compared to last year. With all these different perspectives coming into the space, you've been around, you've been investing. What are some projects that you're excited to see here that are coming to 2049 in 2019? Or what are some projects that you are just excited about in general? There's tons of projects, right? I, I think uh, definitely, you know, um, if, I, if I had to pick one that we've recently been very excited about, it's one chain. I think it's a great project. It's a great community, and you know, there's at the end of the day, there's a large number of projects that we follow. I think from a pure investment perspective, what we've seen, however, in in the market is also that Bitcoin, obviously, as the project that has been around the longest, is is really the one. I think that if if you if you were to ask me, kind of to forecast what's going to be the foundation of this market in the future, it's definitely Bitcoin. And I think as much as there's a lot of discussions and you know. Uh, some are more pro or more maximalist than, than others. I think also looking at portfolios of many of the funds uh, today, um, you will see that many hold cash and Bitcoin at, at this very market, right? Because it's it's the one project that is very clear, has a clear value proposition, and a lot more projects will be built on top of that. Personal curiosity, there's a lot of crypto, say, pseudo stars in, in the space. You know, Charlie Lee might be one of those, you know, John McAfee or what have you. Did, did you ever get starstruck by meeting some of these guys? Uh, no. No. Um, I, 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 <laughs> Simple. I, nope. No. no I, I think. I, I think um, th- this has stopped a long time ago. I, I think overall, um, these are obviously all great people, right? And I, I think they have done amazing things in their lives. But at the end of the day, you know, you shouldn't get starstruck. You know, I, I think it's achievable, and, and especially this market has shown it. It's achievable for everybody um, that puts their mind to to a great project and then kind of really just keeps going at it to, to achieve great things. And, and I think what most people don't see is all the years that a lot of these people have been put down. Right. So I mean, I, I can tell you that's that's what what I said early on. We on the investment side received a lot of Bitcoin and Ethereum projects in in 2015 and 16, and, and we put down all of them because it wasn't our focus. So all these guys had to go through. A lot of pain to get where they are today, and I think they fully deserve where they are. And you know, many of them have stayed down to earth, and they're just they're just great guys, and they're smart guys uh, to connect with. That, that that's the best part for us about Token Twenty Forty Nine, right? Besides all the effort that goes into creating the event, once the event actually happens, you you know, we we had a speaker dinner where literally everybody in the room is you know is just amazingly smart and uh, great to talk to and has you know different perspective on things so i think that's definitely uh, one of the most exciting parts i'm looking forward to crypto 101 has positioned itself to be one of the first podcasts people will listen to we try to do the 101s on ideas projects products philosophies or you know just the future of man life in general and of course conferences and other things that are happening in the space this could be the first podcast somebody listens to that's coming into the space. What would you want them to know about crypto, digital assets, and the future of blockchain technology? I think first and foremost, especially with with kind of media, you know, skewing a little bit the picture and then focusing too much on pricing. I think people that now want to enter the space or contemplating whether they should enter the space, I think it's very important to understand that we're super super early in the adoption stage, right? And and. They're definitely not too late to enter the space. I think there's a lot of great opportunity that comes from being early in the market. And I think now, even better than a few years ago, I think now you're really at, at the forefront of mass adoption, right? Like, as I said, with all 
all the talent that is now pouring into the market and all the back-end developments that have happened, I think anyone that's entering now the space should be very excited to be still at the very forefront, uh, but really at a turning point to see you know adjacent space grow to something very mainstream in the near future. What would you tell them to focus on? We talked a lot about conferences. We dropped a lot of names. But mm. what, what would you tell that new person to focus on? Would you tell them to say, learn the tech? Would you tell them to say, learn the utility? Would you tell them to do, do everything and do, go straight, straight into it and study your ass off for six months? How would you tell them to approach blockchain? I think blockchain in that sense is no different to any other space, right? If you, if you want to be active in a space, invest money in a space, or just you know your time and build a project in a space, you need to understand the space first. It doesn't mean that you have to study six months in a row. It just means you know you, you soak up as much information as there is. Um, and I think if you look at this space specifically, everything is open source. There, there are tons of great platforms where you can just you know find all those speakers. They share tons of stuff on Twitter. They share stuff on Medium. There are Telegram groups that discuss you know all kinds of topics. I think just get involved in the space, right? And I think that's not necessarily specific to this space i think it's to any space in the moment you want to put either your time or money at risk you need to minimize the risk of not knowing or understanding the space and that means you know really read up on it really you know get into it and build your own opinion especially in this space there's you know tons of people that you know are so-called trolls right that is just kind of uh, try to for pricing reasons or others uh, you know just just try try to influence your opinion so in order to have your own opinion you need to understand the space and you need to see all kinds of sides of the same conversation to to have a solid opinion on it before i ask this last question i want to say thank you very much for the 40 minutes of chatting with me and for everybody who's listening you don't know we were having major connection issues so we're asking the same question three four five times and thank (laughs) you for putting up with the frustrations no worries thanks so much for having me last question of the day sir what three songs would you like on the Crypto 101 Spotify playlist? Yeah, that was the most fun question, actually. Um, I would have uh, Lane 8, uh, Fingerprints. It's an amazing song. It always, every time I listen to it, it puts me somewhere at the beach with some you know, cool house vibe in the back. Second song is Drake, In My Feelings. That's my latest running song. <laughs> Truly enjoy it. And another one is a German one called Bushido, a German, very, very prominent German hip hopper. And it song is translated is called theory and practice basically discussing about you know how everything in theory is great don't talk actually do it right on man right on chris strach co-host of token 2049 in hong kong thank you very much for coming on crypto 101 sir all right cheers cheers Thank you for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Chris, if you're listening, thank you very much for coming on the show. And I hope to see you in Token 2049. And if I don't, I really hope to see you at other conferences in the future. In our next episodes of Crypto 101, we're going to start talking about crypto exchanges. And we're going to talk about security and what they can do to prevent getting hacked and losing funds. The start of 2019 has been played with exchange hacks and lost private keys that lost customer funds. What can we do? Let's start having that conversation. And we also want to have a bad podcast. So we invited the hosts of Bad Crypto, Joe Com and Travis Wright, to come on the show to wrap out about all things podcasting and crypto. And we're looking forward to those future episodes of Crypto 101. I'm also very excited to head over to F Denver. So if you're listening to the show and you're in the Denver area, reach out to us at reachout at crypto101podcast.com because we're going to be having a meetup over in Denver. 
and we're going to be interviewing a lot of amazing people in the space. So I'm looking forward to that. As always, ApogeeCrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E Crypto.com, the best place for your real-time prices. And I also want to say thank you to Jay LaBella for editing this episode. We'll see you in future episodes of Crypto 101. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.